Hey everyone, it's Carmita, and welcome to Missing in the PNW. So, actually didn't start last week with any stats, and I actually got a pretty cool one um, the day after last week's episode uh, aired. So I actually got a email from my podcast hosting website that congratulated me because Missing in the PNW has had over 1,500 downloads. Yay. That is super exciting. It may not mean anything to you guys, but it definitely means something to me. Um, It's actually almost closer to 1,600 now from that episode coming out. Uh, But I just want to say thank you to everyone. It's been a feels like long, but actually really quick four months since I've been doing this. Um, And whether you're a longtime listener since I started back in September, or if this is your first episode, thank you so much for being here, for listening to this episode, supporting me, supporting all the missing people that I talk about. You guys are awesome. I love you. And one little other thing, though, we've Still, I know I love my international listeners. If you guys are listening internationally, you guys are awesome. Um, I didn't think it would get international. So I'm just happy that people outside of the Pacific Northwest actually listen. But I'm still missing one continent, Africa. I need Africa, guys. So if you guys have any friends or family over there, please spread the word. Get these missing persons cases like everywhere from north south east west all around the world get these people's names out there now today we're going to discuss a case that unfortunately this year is going to be 35 years old yes you heard that right it is a case from the 80s and it is of a young native woman who once again just went missing off the face of the earth. So let's get right on into it. Today, we're going to discuss the missing person case of Daisy May Heath. Now, there's an article that I found from the NIWRC's website, which NIWRC stands for National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. I definitely will have a link to that in the show notes. I would encourage you guys to check that out. Um, It was an article done by Patricia Whitefoot, who is the older sister of the lady that we're going to talk about today, Daisy. Uh, Patricia serves on the Family Advisory Committee for that website's resource center. So again, I will link that. Go and check that out. And Patricia actually said that her baby sister, Daisy, was reported missing on October 29th, 1987. Patricia lives in White Swan, Washington, which, per the United States Census Bureau, is a tiny town of less than a thousand people. It is also on the Yakima Indian Reservation in Washington. And the Yakima Indian Reservation, guys, is huge. It is over a million acres and it's literally like one of the biggest Indian reservations if not the biggest in um, Washington. So Daisy is the youngest of six sisters who are actually raised by their maternal grandparents and extended family. 
I've said it before. I will say it again. Thank God for grandparents. Daisy's sister, Patricia, or Patsy, she described Daisy as being a quote-unquote lively young woman. She said that it wasn't unusual for her to be gone for extended periods of time, as Daisy loved spending time with friends and family on not only the Yakima Reservation, but also going over to the Warm Springs Reservation, which is in Oregon, and that she loved to fish. That was one of the big things she loved to do with her friends and family. If you look up White Swan to Warm Springs, it's roughly over a three-hour drive south, but we're not talking like normal freeway travel. You got to remember this was in the 80s, so we're talking what a lot of people describe as backcountry, so it's a lot of mountain scenery. You know, the Pacific Northwest is famous for all the trees, um, forest, uh, there's cliffs, It's not, I mean, it's pretty, but it's not the safest road, I would say. And especially back in the 80s, who knows how, you know, whether it was paved good. We really don't know how the conditions was. But just the fact that it was backcountry sounds a little dangerous. Now, Daisy would also travel to play basketball and softball here in the Pacific Northwest, And she was really good at it as well. She was an all-star and an MVP player. And hey, who doesn't love softball? I used to love playing that when I was little. Petsy also described her sister as energetic and fiercely determined. And said if need be, Daisy was able to fend for herself. Of course, growing up on the res and growing up with farms and being in the mountains... A girl can, you know, take care of herself out there in the wilderness. Now, unfortunately, everything wasn't all fun and games. Patsy had detailed how herself, Daisy, and their siblings, unfortunately, like many other Native children, experienced intergenerational trauma, grief, and loss of loved ones due to war or foster home placement. Just a year before Daisy was last seen or heard from, Daisy and Patricia's grandmother, the same grandma that raised them, passed away. And now, I didn't exactly tell you why or how their grandparents came to raise them. Well, unfortunately, that's another tragedy. When they were children, their mother actually passed away. So imagine being a kid growing up, your mom passes away, then the person that raised you, you know, you're in your 20s and then your grandma passes away. (sighs) Guys, unfortunately, that's not even the worst of it. I couldn't find an exact date, but Patsy did report that sometime before their grandma had passed away, Daisy actually had a daughter. Unfortunately, her infant daughter passed away from SIDS. If you don't know what SIDS is, it stands for Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Usually happens to kids between 6 and 12 months. Actually, it could be sooner than that. Um, Definitely, I think 6 months is kind of the, I wouldn't say cutoff, 
Um, but it's less likely for a kid over that age to happen. It usually happens during the first couple of months of life. And unfortunately, because it is called sudden infant death syndrome, there's not really a known reason or cause why. It's just something very, very, very unfortunate that happens. So with all of that trauma going on, imagine how she was feeling, how she was thinking, but she still kept everything moving and it was reported that the last time Patsy had seen or heard from Daisy, which again, Daisy lived with her in White Swan, was actually on August 30th, 1987. I'm not sure why she wasn't reported missing until October 29th, but it's definitely very safe to say that it was probably a lot harder to get a hold of anyone back then. I mean, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have social media, plus being in a remote place such as, you know, White Swan, who's just a tiny little town. And again, Patsy said that it wasn't uncommon for Daisy to be gone for months at a time, just because she loved to travel, playing sports, and she loved to, you know, be with family and friends. So I also found an article from the Yakima Herald that was something really interesting um, and really sad. So in the 80s and 90s, there are actually reports of a string of unsolved murders on the Yakima Reservation, 14 to be exact. At least two Native women had disappeared in that time. And Daisy, unfortunately, was one of them. The other one, her name was Karen Johnley Wallahy. She was reported missing just over a week after Daisy on November 7th, 1987. She went missing from Hera, Washington. And White Swan to Hera is fairly very close. It's only about a 15-minute drive away from each other. And again, it is on the Yakima Indian Reservation. So it's just, I don't know what was going on then, guys. I will try to find more info, but it's really sad. There was just all these, this is the epidemic that people are talking about. There's a lot of missing and murdered indigenous women. Why? Why is there so many? Native Americans only make up about 2 to 3% of the whole nation's population Yet these are the women who suffer the most. And for what reason? Now, it was reported that sometimes later, the Yakima Herald said that Daisy's backpack, keys, and ring were found in a remote area on the Yakima Reservation known as Soda Springs. At that time, in the 80s, it was usually off-limits to non-tribal members Unless you have been given permission to be there. Given permission by who you ask, I honestly could not tell you. Honestly, I don't even know if that area is still, I guess, remote. Um, Because when I try to look it up, it's actually a full-on campground now. So I'm not sure if 
the Yakima Indian Reservation kind of monitors that if maybe they had sold part of that land so that, you know, it can make money because it's a full on campground. Like there's a website, everything you can make reservations for it. Again, when um, Daisy went missing, though, this is back in the 80s. So a lot of stuff changes in the last 35 years. So again, uh, that's really all that I have for you. I mean, that's a lot more than some, um, but I still, it blows my mind and I feel bad because I feel like it's not enough. There's something's got to happen and something's got to change or we're going to keep getting missing person cases like this. Again, I cannot preach it enough. Native American women are so susceptible to violence. And just, I don't understand why, you know, what is it? It's a lack of underreporting. It's a lack of data. It's people not wanting to take accountability. It's just so many different things. And again, something needs to change. So Daisy is a member of the Yakima Nation in Washington and the Warm Strings Tribe in Oregon. She's been missing since October 29, 1987 from White Swan, Washington. She is described as being 5 foot 3 inches tall, weighing 140 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. She also has a scar on her left shoulder. Which, unfortunately, that was another incident that happened. Her sister Patricia actually said in that Yakima Herald article that she remembers the day she got that scar. She said that they were waiting at the bus stop, her and Daisy, and Daisy saw a cute little puppy. She went to get it, run it into the house, come back, and she didn't even see the car And a car, she said she was so lucky that Daisy didn't suffer worse because a car was going really fast, actually hit her, and her arm, shoulder, she said there was a lot of blood. And so that's how she got that scar on her left shoulder. If you or someone you know have any information, please, guys, it has been, again, almost 35 years that this family has not had any answers, any closure, and they've had so many unfortunate family tragedies. I didn't even tell you guys that just six years after Daisy went missing, one of her and Patsy's other sisters was actually murdered. Guys, I cannot tell you this poor family has gone through so much. Please, if you know something, if you heard something, if there's just one person that can convince somebody else, you can remain anonymous. Please contact the Yakima Nation Tribal Police at 509-865-2933 and reference case number 873-732. Thank you so much for listening this week, you guys. I will once again uh, post all the links that I got uh, in the show notes. 
Um, I'm going to post the link again to the Missing and Murdered Women's um, Facebook page. Just please check all these out. And I will talk to you guys next week. Remember, have fun, but be safe.